And I'm reading from the New King James Version. Uh, I normally read from the ESV, but I found my New King James Version in the cupboard the other day, and I've been absolutely loving it, so that's why I'm reading it today. It's just such, it's so refreshing to change the versions. I, I hadn't actually realized. But this reminds me when I was first saved, reading this amazing version, the amazing translation. Revelation chapter 1, I'm reading from verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Verse 3, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Verse 4, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Just stopping there very quickly, the seven spirits refers to the Holy Spirit, different attributes of God, the Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit. We read later in Revelation, seven eyes, etc. That's also referring to the Holy Spirit. But seven spirits who are before the throne, and from Jesus Christ, a faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. Whatever the kings of the earth and the presidents and people say, it's actually irrelevant. Jesus is the ruler. Jesus is the ruler. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, Jesus. And has made us, depends on your translation, but I think the correct translation is this one, has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We are a kingdom of priests. We are kings and priests. We have the authority of delegated authority of Jesus to extend the kingdom. And we are priests so that we minister to God before God, kings and priests, amazing privilege, glory and dominion of him forever and ever. Verse 7, behold, he is coming with the clouds, every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, amazing, all those that pierced and crucified Jesus, they're going to see him coming in victory. It says in the beginning of Acts that they saw him go with the clouds, he's coming back, amazing, this king, Jesus, Christ, God the Son. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. That's every people group will mourn because Jesus will come. And if they haven't accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, there's going to be a great wailing and mourning. Where are you today? Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Or are you kind of a believer but sitting here half-heartedly? This is very, very serious. It's very serious. Jesus Christ the King. King, ruler, creator, holding together, we read in Colossians, heaven and earth. Everything is created through him, for him, by him. And he's the head of the church, his body. Verse 8, I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. He's the, he, everything, he's everything, everything is contained between the A to Z, the Alpha and Omega, God Almighty, says the Lord. Who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Verse 9, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. Tribulation. Lots of tribulation as we follow Jesus. Not being heavy, it's just true. John, amazing. Banished to Patmos, volcanic island in the Aegean Sea. 
Anyway, I haven't got time to talk about it, but it's very interesting. <laughs> Come on, David. Uh, Call Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Verse 10, I was in the spirit of the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice, a trumpet. Verse 11, saying, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what you see write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, to Pergamum, or to Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. It's very interesting it's written in that order because in the Roman times, that is the exact order of the postal service in the Roman Empire. So it came from Patmos to Ephesus and then around. How it went around, whether the messenger sent it around on the back of the postman's horse and cart, who knows? But it's just interesting. There's an order in the Word of God which is fascinating when we start to dig a little bit deeper. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke to me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. The golden lampstands represent the churches, the light of God. God places his lampstand, Jesus places his lampstand in those churches that he plants. It's the light of God, the power of the Holy Spirit burning bright. There's a lampstand here that's burning ever brighter. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, that's Jesus, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about his the chest with a golden band. His head, were, his head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like flame of fire. His feet were like refined brass and refined in a furnace. His voice was the sound of many waters. Eyes like flames of fire. Amazing. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went the sharp two-edged sword. Sword, the word of God. Sharp two-edged. Word of God cuts between bone and marrow right into the spirit of people. And his countenance was like the shining sun in its strength. Verse 17 when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. So would we all. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid, I'm the first and last. Jesus wants to put his hand upon you today, right hand, and say, Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid of anything. Just be with me. I'm the first and the last. I'm with you. Verse 18. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Jesus overcoming death, resurrecting, being resurrected from the dead, overcame the power of Satan to control what happens when people die and control people's lives, broken by the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. Sin's forgiven. Death no longer holds us. Fear no longer holds us. If we have Jesus. Because as Nikki did so well, it's about relationship with God and when we die spending eternity with him write these things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this verse 20 which is also incredibly interesting the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches so Lampstand, seven churches. Something about the number seven we'll talk about. 
God's presence, the presence of God, the light of God, Jesus Christ in the church. He's walking through his lampstands. He's walking through rivers. In his right hand, right hand, right hand, hand of security, place, security in God, seven stars. Some people say, theologians say, seven stars represent the guardian angels of the church or the messenger angels to the church. Okay, possible. Others say they represent the elders of the church. That is a terrifying possibility. In his hand, possibly, are those that lead the churches. I mean, there's a lot of theological discussion, but it's very, very possible. It's for you guys to work out and decide for yourselves what you believe. I think I know what I believe. But it places such an incredible, those elite churches, incredible thing to think about in the right hand of Jesus. This is holy ground, the local church. Jesus walking through. So the number seven number of completion so the seven churches in all of which were in western Turkey what is now western Turkey there were many more churches than that but the seven churches and these seven churches are said to represent all of the churches in all of the church age not just specifically those seven churches which Jesus talked about we haven't got time to read it all but just look at some of those points So it represents in the church age all of the churches and all of the circumstances which the churches find themselves in. I hope that makes sense. And and also it can be said of us too, if we want to narrow it down further, where are we in the circumstances we're in, we find ourselves in? And this uh, Revelation 2 and 3 are the longest continual recorded words of Jesus in the New Testament. There's something very important about what Jesus, what, what Jesus said recorded here. It's the longest continual discourse on the one subject in the New Testament. So when we read the seven churches, it's the completeness of the church in all of the church age. And we will see that we are told to take heed or notice or listen to what the Spirit is saying seven times to each of these different churches. And that's why Jesus walks through the midst of his church today. He's walking through here this morning by his Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. Not to condemn us, not to criticize us, not to terrify us in the ungodly sense, but in the fear of God's sense, but to encourage us, to build us up, and to warn us what we as a local church and what we as individuals in the local church, what we are to look out for, what we are to be careful of, how we are to live and how we are to walk. Because there are incredible encouragements in this passage of Scripture for those that overcome in the churches and there's dire 
dire consequences and warnings for those that don't take heed to what Jesus is saying to his churches, including the removal of the lampstand, his presence and the light from the church. So then the church, if Jesus removes the lampstand, the church just becomes a club. It just becomes a place where people go, and then it's run by religion and the rules of men. And sadly, there are many churches on the planet like that. They think they're church, but actually they become a place where Satan rules because of all of the fighting and infighting of men and divisions and hatred and rules and laws and wrong type of church leadership. This is brilliant. It's warm water. You've changed my life. It is so important. It is so important. And Jesus wants to warn us so that we make adjustments and changes, both in the churches, if that is necessary, but in our lives as well. But there are incredible promises to those that overcome. So let's look at the first church. Let's read uh, Revelation 2. I don't need to be quick. We're going to go fast. Revelation 2, 1 to 4. Revelation chapter 2, 1 to 4. The, the church in Ephesus. To the angel, that's the star, whoever the angel was, the, either the person or the guardian angel. But why write to an angel? Anyway, you must decide. But think about these things. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These things say, He who holds the seven towers in his right hand and walks in the midst of the seven lampstands. Verse 2, I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Amazing. Jesus is saying to his church, hang on, I've got this against you. Jesus is very serious about his church. The church has got a twofold purpose, mainly, to love God and to love people. And it's possible to have worship songs, but no love for Jesus. The love is gone. It's just worship. It's possible to pray for people for healing, but have no love or compassion for the people that you're praying for. It's possible to come to meetings, but there's just no love there for Jesus or for God's people. Many churches have many programs and many activities and many things, and everybody is kept busy. But no first love for Jesus Christ. And I think what Jesus is doing in the churches is growing us back to simplicity. So it's simple. Churches are not complicated things. They're simple. 
They don't need to be overstructured. They don't need to be over-engineered. We just need to build the way Jesus wants the church to be built, as in the New Testament. How are you? How am I this morning? How busy am I? And have I forgotten my first love? Which is actually just to be in love with Jesus and feel his love and enjoy his love and stand or sit or wherever you are sitting on the toilet with his, in his presence. I'm not being vulgar or rude. I mean, it's that's... I was saying last night, we had a bit of a leader's thing. How much time do you actually want to spend with Jesus? Do you just want to spend a bit of time with Jesus when you come to church? Or maybe try to find a bit of time during the day to spend with Jesus? Or are you prepared to spend all day with Jesus in whatever you're doing? And that's the opportunity that you and I have, is to spend all day with Jesus. By God, the Holy Spirit who lives in us, be with him all the time. And if we're with him, more often than we're not, because we're not perfect, we're going to start to just live in his love and his presence and his peace. Yoked with him, that incredible joy of just being with Jesus. And from that place, that's where we live and we move and we have our being. And we love those with the love of Jesus. And when we come, etc., etc., and it comes through into the church. How's your busyness? How's my busyness? I'm a busy man. I'm sure you're busy people too. But I, oh God, I want to make sure that the best part of the day is with him and then I can continue that all day with him. What is it that drives you and I? Is it what you're doing for him or is it just out of your love for him, for his people? Church in Pergamum, the second thing, False teaching. Let's read Revelation 2, 14 to 16. Revelation 2, 14 to 16. Church in Pergamum. <laughs> Jesus says this. Re- maybe just please read through these first few books of Revelation. For, for really, a few chapters of Re- the book of Revelation. That's the whole, I know I say that every time we come in. The whole idea of preaching or teaching is actually to make us think about You don't have to agree with me, but it's about what you think in God and what you understand, what you walk in and what you're prepared to live for and die for. What is your theology? What is your understanding? What are your doctrinal sets, your core beliefs? Then from there you make your theology how you live. But it's scary. But I have a few things against you, Jesus says, to the church in Pergamos. Because you have there those who hold to the doctrine of Balaam, who took Balak to put a stumbling block before the people of the children of Israel and to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Thus, you also have those who hold to the doctrine of Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Verse 16 Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Fight against people in the church with the sword of his mouth. <laughs> The word of God. (laughs) 
Balak wanted Balaam to prophesy wickedness and evil over the people of Israel. He was a dodgy prophet. But he just, he could, Balaam just couldn't do it. He just couldn't do it. We haven't got time to read that. He just could not do that. But it seems that later on, if we go to Numbers 31.16. Numbers 31.16. Look, these women caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the instant of Peor. And there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. So what happened, it seems, that Balaam told Balak, look, I can't prophesy negative against the people of Israel because they're God's people. But if you get them to sin through immorality, then God will take his hand off them and you'll be able to have victory over them. And it's exactly the same thing in the church. They tolerated sexual immorality. They tolerated, in this church that we're talking about now, in Pergamum, they tolerated sexual immorality. And God lifted his hand off the people and off the church. This is so important in the day and age that you and I live in. Men and women, we are bombarded from all directions with the temptation to commit sexual immorality in one form or another. Either actually fornication, sex before marriage, or adultery, sex within marriage, or uh, liberty, we allow ourselves, thinking it's okay to look at pornography, etc., etc. It's unbelievable. It's exactly the same policy that Satan had then as he has now, but just in slightly different formats today. It's just as wicked, it's just as dangerous, and it takes us from our relationship with God because sin cuts us off. So I want to say today before you and I'm standing here so I'm the one that's judged first or looked at first and this is not condemnation it's a warning from Jesus is that okay Ray? do you understand? I'm not bringing condemnation it's a warning from Jesus to the church to the churches but to us sir, madam how are you doing today in areas of sexual immorality your thought life what you're looking at, what you're reading, internet, what you're hearing, the conversations that you have, the conversations that you allow yourself to have, let alone actually sex before marriage or sex during marriage. Sex before marriage, no. Sex during marriage only with your wife or husband. It's really important. Let alone, and I'll say it because I'm standing here, let alone all of this thing of transgenderism and Today I'm a monkey and tomorrow I can be whatever I want. I'm not actually trying to joke. Because Jesus will come with the sword of his mouth, the word of God, and deal with these things in the church first. So what is warning? He loves us. He loves his church. He said, I gave my blood for you. He puts his candlesticks in the church. 
It could be. It's possible. I'm not saying it is. It's possible. But those that lead the church, not about hierarchy, but just in precious, preciousness and importance, are in Jesus' right hand. I'm not trying to elevate that. It's just fascinating. Jesus' love and concern for his church. So there was sexual immorality. The Nicolaitans were laity crushers. It could have come from Nicholas, the guy from Acts 6. But it was this, the leadership in the church were this, I know everything I will control, I will rule my people. That was the problem with the Nicolaitans, which Jesus hated. And so many churches, there's this hierarchy between those that lead and the congregation. Jesus says it's just not there. But Jesus appoints elders to lead the work. And they're selected and called by God to lead the church. They're not more important. They're just those that lead the work of God and lead the people to follow God as disciples of Jesus Christ. So this kind of lordship in churches and ruling and seeking for position and, and, and wanting to say, I've got a little bit more knowledge than you, or I'm the pastor, come and, which you in so many churches, African churches, people come on their knees to the pastor, the man of God who's sitting on his throne, and they literally have to kiss his signet ring. Jesus is going to come with the sword of the Spirit and do battle against that kind of thing at any level. Because Jesus died for his church and he wants to rise up to be his bride and he's coming back for it, pure wrinkle without blemish. Without wrinkle blemish. Washed in his blood, led by men who know the word of God. They're learning the word of God, but they're listening and they're following Jesus, and we follow them. If this is strange teaching to you, or this is offensive, read Revelation and argue with God. But Jesus is saying, I've got precious things for you as your inheritance, this church. Things that are prepared for you to do and to walk into that you haven't even dreamed about yet. Saying, separate yourself unto me. Deal with those things. It's a warning. He's not telling us off. It's a warning. We need to deal with those things in our lives that are hindering our walk with Jesus. Our sin, our attitudes, our motives. If we're addicted to alcohol, if we're addicted to drugs, if we're addicted to pornography, if we're addicted to lying, whatever it might be, we can come before Jesus and say, God, deliver me, help me. Come before people you trust. God, deliver me from these things. It's an opportunity to walk free. It's an opportunity too, as we learn God's financial system, to get out of debt. There's many things promised, but it's an, we, he that overcomes will receive these things. And believe me, I'm preaching to myself. Daily, I have to deal with these things. 
there's about 30 seconds from me looking at a woman that I find attractive and then thinking, actually, what does she like naked? Hey? We have to deal with these things. But the closer we are to Jesus and the more time we spend with him, it just doesn't affect us. Let's move on because it's, I've been talking for half an hour. Let's read Revelation 2 from verse 20 to 24. The church of Thyatira. Before I do, God, and it, it, it's here in this church, God is looking for leaders that will follow him, love him, lay their lives down for his sheep, die like Jesus died for the church. The call to leadership and the call to eldership, church leadership, means that you're prepared to die for the sheep. You're prepared to die the type of death that Jesus died so that his church can prosper and his sheep can be taken care of. We're not part of some wishy-washy organization that we can use and abuse as we want to when we come to church. God wants to bring his order, his love, but there's order in his love. Church of Thyatira, Revelation 2, 20 to 24. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman... Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, but she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into, sick, into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. Verse 23, remember this is Jesus speaking. And he loves us, but he wants to warn us. He loves you so much, he wants to warn you. I will kill her children with, and with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now I say, now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will not put any other on you any other burden. This thing again of sexual immorality, Jesus wants to warn us to deal with it. Jezebel uh, is either the spirit of Jezebel, spirit of sexual immorality, working in some churches and wanting to work in all the churches, or it refers to an actual person, Jezebel, that was in the church of Thyatira. But of course, it's referenced back to Jezebel and Ahab back in the Old Testament. Jezebel was a very, very evil, manipulative 
woman. So whatever it was, there was this thing working in the life of the church in Thyatira, which was causing a great deal of harm. False prophetess, a false teacher, either real or symbolic, allowing and teaching to be people that it was okay to go astray sexually. It's okay, God loves you. You can come to church and you can be blessed and it's okay to do what you want when you're not in church sexually. It's okay to sleep with your boyfriend. It's okay to sleep with your girlfriend. It's okay to sleep with your girlfriend who's a girl, your boyfriend is a boy, etc. I'm not criticizing, I'm not being difficult. I'm just saying Jesus looks at it very, 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 very seriously. And it's not that those people are, they're welcome to come to church. We want all people to come. We want all people to hear the truth, hear Jesus, have the opportunity to repent and be set free from these things so they can walk in the footsteps of Jesus in freedom with him. So please don't think I'm against any of those people that come here. I love homosexuals. I love lesbians. I love transgender people. I love them. I love them. I love the drug addicts. I love the prostitutes. I love you name it. Our first few years when we were saved was in the red light district of Durban. We actually moved there. And we were the druggies and the prostitutes. That's when I was trying to join the Logos, but they wouldn't have me. And I do to do loss, actually. And, and, um, and we spent our time there. I went into flats where they'd been shot. People died. The prostitutes, the most... I love them. My wife loves them. I'm not criticizing them at all. We need to invite them in. It's not a, this is not an exclusive club. This is the only organization, the church, which exists for those that are not part of it. It's not for you to come here and sit and feel comfortable. It's for you to come here and know Jesus, feel uncomfortable, because sitting next to you, there's a drug addict. The first six or seven months I was in church saved... I would come to church with the most incredible hangovers. I would be sweating neat rum. I'm a sailor. And people would actually move away from me. So Jesus is saying to me and to you, and certainly to me, please understand, I'm 30 seconds away at any point. To overcome the temptation to relax or be lax and easy. And to not to, what am I trying to say? It's get up half an hour earlier. It doesn't matter if you've only been in bed for two hours. Get up half an hour earlier and pray. Whatever it is that you do, that's the best time for me. To overcome the, the, the temptation. It's okay, I can just spend a few hours or a few minutes on the internet looking at something. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with the internet. There's nothing wrong with YouTube. It's what you look at. I don't really need to study God's word. I read it last week. I'm coming to church on Friday. That's all. No. It's about this intimacy with Jesus who died for you, who loves you, who wants to show you so much. He wants to... Pour out his life through you so you can be a blessing and you can be blessed and walk into your inheritance. And your children can walk into the inheritance. And It's an amazing thing. And then one day we'll receive our reward in a new heavens and new earth. There's an eternity to all of this. 
But we have to put him first. So if you young, beautiful young women and beautiful young men, if you're looking for wives or husbands, which is a good thing, look for good ones. Don't look for slappers. Don't look for ones that sleep around. Don't look for, don't take the, 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 the easy option. My youngest son is 35. He's getting married in September. He's waited since he was 13 to get married. I remember Kathy sitting down with him and his then friend who was a girl. And they said, you don't understand, Mum. I love her and I want to marry her. The 13-year-old. But it, it's a great guy. He's waited till 35. Or I think he's 35, 34, 35, 36. Anyway, around there. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful young lady. Just wait. And men, and there's no men here, I'm sure like this, but in a church in Doha, I'd stand the elders and I'd stand the deacons up and the big guys and I'd turn around and say, look at the congregation. And I'd say to the men, there was lots of young single men that came just to find the women. They came to church just to find the women. I'd say, if I see one of you behaving inappropriately to any of these single women in this church, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to skin you alive. I'm going to hang your skin up here. (laughs) That's what I said. Seriously. And I said, these guys, they will help me. It stopped. Because we have an authority. You're getting this authority right in Jesus to just call things. Of course, I wouldn't actually skin them alive. But I have been stopped from punching somebody many years ago. (laughs) But God, okay, I was wrong, but God sees the heart. I'm not saying that's acceptable. But what are you prepared to do to protect? Okay, I'm going to be really quick. Church of Sardis, dead. Dead church. There was a few there in Sardis that were following. Interesting, Jesus said, I will give you white stones with your name written on it, which nobody else can see. Interesting, when, when uh, in, in, in like the Olympics and sports tournaments, the winners, often we get a white stone with a name on it, and that then gave those people that had won in the sports access into the banquet at the end of the sporting event. And those people at Sardis that overcame, he said, there's still a few of you that, haven't, that are not dead. You're going to get white stones with a name, only God knows on it. It's worth it, guys, to hang on. There's an amazing inheritance for us. Church of Laodicea, and I know I'm going quickly, but Revelation 3, 15 to 18. I know your works, that you are neither hot, cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot, Jesus said. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, (laughs) 
Who's lukewarm? Who hasn't got the fire of God burning under their bottom? Because you are lukewarm, <laughs> and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's Jesus Christ, God the Son, the creator of the universe, head of the church, saying, actually, I'm going to be sick and vomit you out of my mouth. That's, that is an incredibly graphic thing. When you're sick and you're over the toilet bowl vomiting, I'm not trying to be vulgar, I'm trying to put it in the context that we can understand. It's the retching. And Jesus said, I'm going to vomit those people that are lukewarm out of my mouth. But it's a warning. We're not there yet. Jesus said, either be cold or hot. But don't pretend. Don't pretend. Don't pretend to be a believer and go through all of the religious hoops and things. Just get hot. How do you get hot? By sitting by the fire. I watch our dogs. We have a wood burner, and it's on for maybe three months, four months of the year where we live in Cyprus. And it's made in Norway, and it's a little box. It's about that big. But it weighs 130 kilos, this thing. It's like armor-plated. So we stoke it up, and we see the dogs come in. And they're always muddy and wet. And they lie there. And they're like, like underneath it. And you get all that lovely, lovely doggy stink of hot dog, you know. <laughs> We're having hot dog for lunch. But, 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 but then, they, then they think about half an hour, they think, hang on a minute, something's wrong. <laughs> and, you, and you see them moving away. How do you and I get hot? Well, we get right next to the fire. We get right next to Jesus. And all of the smell comes off us. Burnt and just don't be don't be cold. It's so easy if we don't spend time with Jesus. Must be careful. It's so easy to don't spend time. <laughs> Hallelujah, baptism. But if uh, if you, you get cold, no, no, we need to be with Jesus. Spend time with Him. Love Him. It's free. It's absolutely free. It's free to come and spend time with Jesus. It's free. Just picking on you. It's free to spend time with Jesus. But it costs us everything. But the closer we are, the more amazing our life becomes. And that's when we start to see things the way Jesus sees things. Hear what Jesus says. See things. Start operating the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Start to just extraordinary circumstances happen to us. Go to places that we couldn't already go, normally go to because it's God living through us and he can see that we have mean business with him and we want to spend time with him and he can start to trust us with things. It said, oh, hang on, verse, verse 17, because you say I am rich, this is church in Laodicea, <laughs> because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. These people in the church have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. He's talking to people in the churches. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, 
and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. And then verse 20, that scripture that's always misquoted by us believers. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice coming, I will eat with them. So we use that scripture, Revelation 3.20, to the non-believers. But Jesus is standing at the door of some of your hearts today. Those that know Jesus and say, if you change and repent and open the door, I will come in and be with you. But so many of us have shut the door to Jesus because it's just uncomfortable having to deal with all of the things we need to deal with and pay the price to be close to him. They say, the theologians say, that the church of Laodicea is the closest representation of the church in the world today. It's said to represent the church in our days. A commentary written, I'm reading this, a hundred years ago, and I wrote this a few years ago, so it's about 105 years ago. A commentary written 105 years ago. <laughs> it said that there will come a day when the world, there will be churches with beautiful buildings, choirs, orchestras, programs, and even missions program, thinking they had everything together, became and were filled with people that were actually lukewarm and, and the wonder of everything is that they did not realize how wretched, poor, blind, and naked they really were. I'm not saying about rivers. Don't misunderstand me. This is not that. Please, God is not saying this, that about this church. Not at all. I'm not bringing condemnation. It's a warning. But there may be some of us, not all of us, maybe a very small minority... They're sitting here today thinking, actually, I've got it cracked. We have to be very careful. As we follow Jesus, at least in my experience, as we follow Jesus, it's a thing of conditional instability. I've never actually, since 1984 when I got saved, I've never actually been in a position where I've been stable and I can sit back and say, I don't need, I'm okay. It's been conditional instability because that's what we were talking last night, that's the adventure of the call of God. You never actually know quite what's going to happen next. So to say that we're stable, or I'm going to go to this country and do that, or I'm going to do this or do that, I'm going to do my children this education, that education, da 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 it just doesn't follow. That Jesus will look after your children and bless you more than you can and give you the desires of your heart in the process. But it's him, not us planning. Jesus is saying, son and daughter, I called you to be radical in love. Jesus is saying this today, called us and called you and me to be radical in love, radical in commitment to him, radical in generosity, radical in your use of time, and radical to overcome the pressures that want us to settle down and be at ease. Because it's incongruous. A life of ease and being settled is incongruous with everything that is written in the pages of the New Testament. To him who overcomes, Revelation 3.21. There's all of these amazing overcoming things which we haven't read because of the sake of time. 
But to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. We actually, we're going to get, there's all of these incredible things, authority, we're actually going to get to sit on the throne, sorry Ray, with Jesus. I'm only 98 kilos, so I'm quite lightweight. Yeah, we're going to sit on the throne. But we have to overcome. But we don't do it in our own strength. That's the thing. The difficult thing is in prayer and commitment. The rest, when we've done that, the power of the Holy Spirit through us. But the, the cold blood, it, the cold-blooded part is a decision that I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do my best to do this, and when I make a mistake, I'm going to repent and I'm going to carry on. That's the hard bit. The rest is easy because it's the Holy Spirit. And when we start to live by the Spirit, we know Galatians 5, 22, etc., etc. Joy, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, etc., etc. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Anointing of God. Man, we become very, very powerful individuals that make up the life of the church. And then from the local church, we start to turn this nation and nations around us upside down because we just don't care. We care less and less each day about the demands of the world and more and more each day about the kingdom of God. So very quickly, six warnings. Busyness, loss of first love, loss of focus. The water's still good, man. I'm gonna, everywhere I go, I'm going to be asking for hot water. Honestly, thank you. I've got a scratchy throat as well. Second thing, false teaching, seducing teaching, sin, including sexual sin is okay. Warnings. False teaching is slowly bad. It slowly creeps in. Third thing, compromises, relax. It's okay to take it easy. Let's make church popular. Wrong. Let's make it a place where the God is here by his glory. Like today, there was no roof here in the worship to me. That attracts people. Not smoke and things and compromise, and etc. Dead church. Church had dropped dead. Boink. Church has dropped dead. Lukewarm, half-hearted. Church becomes a show. Either be red hot, stone cold. Honestly, I'd rather go and ride my motorbike than go to church if my heart was cold towards God. I wouldn't dare walk into the doors of a church just in case Jesus spat me out of his mouth. I'm being extreme. But honestly, I'd rather go and ride my motorbike, go up into the mountain, sit under a tree. But the reward for diligence, the reward for choosing to walk the narrow, rocky path is incredible. 
we know the road to hell is wide and easy. I'm not saying you can use your salvation. Don't say things I'm not saying. I'm just saying that's what the Bible says. And we need to guard, certainly not in this church, we need to guard against the leaders that are lords. Pastor this, pastor that. Jesus said, call no man by any titles. Father, I pray, and as I say every time that I'm here, I sit under, the, well, everywhere I go, I sit under the authority of the elders, the elders, the highest authority in the local church under Jesus Christ. I come in under that authority as invited. So, Father, if there's anything that I've said that the elders disagree with, then, Father God, it is, I'm happy to listen. But, Father God, that which, and change as necessary, and learn. But, Father God, that which is of you this morning, that which is your truth, your word, through you, God, the Holy Spirit, let that rest in the hearts of men, women, and children, I pray that your word would pierce into, starting with me, into our, wherever we process things, our souls or our brains, and that we would start to then say, where am I? Where do I find myself this morning? And then what do I need to do to be closer to Jesus? What do I need to repent of? What do I need to turn away from? Saying, I'm sorry, Lord, I don't want to do that again and take steps forward into freedom. So just, if that's okay, right? If those that want to do that, just say, God, help me. I want to change. I want to, I've, I've, some things you've spoken to me this morning, just raise your hand and let's just pray together. Help us, Lord Jesus, I pray, to live a life. Help me, help us. There's a call out to you today to live a life worthy, God, increasingly more worthy of that incredible high calling to which you've called us, to be disciples of Jesus and to lay down those things which are unhelpful in our lives Cast them aside so that we can live more and more for you. I thank you, Father God, as people call out to you, God. There'll be freedom and deliverance from things that hinder us. Vices, sins, pornography, alcohol, nicotine, lying, theft, rage, anger, discord, hatred, 
Thank you, God, for freedom from these things.